0: Bredo, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. I'm oh, I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bretto, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit. And if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26, featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The Rockstar of Wellness, Dr.
1: Damien Christoph. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith.
0: Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one and only Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Jushman. Get empowered with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts, Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist,
1: Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner, Wes Carr. Woohoo!
0: And Quirky Cookings, Joe Witten, and Fuad Kassab, and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP.
1: Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit?
0: Not to mention our world class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services. MP,
1: we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left.
0: And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. Marcus, be
1: there or be square Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall
0: Get in quick folks, the final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com See you there Bretto TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill.
1: Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill. And I am George. Hey, George. How are you, buddy? Good. I'm still here. I'm still here. (laughs) You've been trekking around the country, missing flights, getting uh, delayed overnight. What's been going on, man?
2: You know, I've actually, I just want to be clear, I've never missed a flight, ever. (laughs) Ever. I am like, that is like the thing, I'm like, I will never miss a flight. But yeah, I got, we had like this massive like weather thing in the US yesterday and I was supposed to be home from Denver at like 10pm and... I ended up getting home at 3 a.m. because like flights all over the country were canceled. But I actually was one of the lucky ones that got out because everybody else's were like moved till the next day. And quite frankly, uh, I didn't have a day because I fly to Amsterdam in a couple hours. So I needed to get home. So Uh I did get home and I got to spend like, uh, like 13 hours with my family before I came back to the airport. So it's all good. It's all good. It's
1: so funny because here in Adelaide we don't really get snow, and we don't get a lot of really bad weather. Like it's pretty dry here, so we don't have a lot of experience with like the real, you know, the airports snowed in or anything like that. Like it just doesn't happen here. So my only experience of that kind of thing happening is from the movie Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. So that's what I imagine when you say that you're like snowed in at the airport. I imagine oh, it's yeah, just it w- exactly like that.
2: It wasn't even snow. It was rain and lightning wow yeah that's not ideal though you know no a, a, a it's little
1: like, metal box in the sky with lightning going on is not the best
2: yeah but I, I just don't i feel like it's not that big of a deal like how can we send like a rover to mars but i can't fly a plane and lightning like i don't know it just doesn't make sense to me i feel like we should be more advanced than that
1: you can get your own plane george and you can fly in lightning <laughs> you leave me out of it because that doesn't sound like a good idea <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> yeah but 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 then they say like cars are like the safest place to be when they're lightning because the rubber on the ground. I'm like, well, the plane's not attached to anything, so it's not grounded. It's in the air. So I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'm sure. I'm
1: sure someone has figured it out and realized that why it's a bad idea. I'm sure. I'm sure one of our listeners will go onto the Facebook page and will tell us <laughs> under the post about this podcast why. Flying through lightning is a really bad idea, I have a feeling. Anyway, that's totally aside from the point. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about other diets because, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the paleo diet and uh, apparently it's not the only diet that's out there, George. Apparently
2: no, some people I, do you different know, stuff. I, I heard that. I heard that. It's, <laughs> it's shocking to me, but I believe that I believe there's some other movements out there that are, are catching some traction now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we often talk about the paleo police and, uh, you know, some people take a very strict, uh, idea around paleo and some people think that paleo is the only diet we should be eating, the only diet anyone should be eating because clearly we're right and they're wrong. And so, um, you know, we thought we'd just talk about the different diets that are out there and what our take is on them because there are so many different options out there. There are so many different things people are doing. I think. That different things work for different people, and it's totally okay. And so we thought we'd chat about that a little bit. So, um, yeah, you know, what's your general take on diet, George? Like in terms of the Paleo diet, you know, why do you do Paleo? And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, what are your take on different diets for different people?
2: Yeah, that's an amazing question. So, uh, I'm gonna be really authentic with everybody. When I went Paleo in the beginning, you know, I went Paleo to beat. Bulimia and eating disorders, as well as really eliminate gluten because I found I had celiac disease. Uh, but because I had such an unhealthy relationship with food, when I went paleo, like I was the paleo police, like I was dogmatic and aggressive, and I was right, and really, like I mean, like everybody was wrong, including my wife and my kids, and like everything. <laughs> like I was just straight up aggressive, like it, n- no, no health whatsoever in that one, emotionally or mentally for anybody. So. I was dogmatic and then over the years what I learned it's that dogmacy or very very strict of anything is not sustainable and quite frankly I don't think it's realistic nor what we are designed to do and so over the years I've you know because I've been eating paleo for I want to say like 10 or 11 years now Um, over the course of that time it's kind of evolved to where I just basically say like yeah I eat gluten free now and a lot of it's paleo but I'm not really strict or stringent. I feel like there's there's days and weeks at a time where I intermittent fast. Like I'll eat one meal a day and then there's days and weeks at a time I'll eat three or four or five meals a day. And then sometimes it's really, 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 really strict or paleo kind of like whole 30. And then sometimes it's really just gluten free. I eat a lot of like gluten free breads and pastas. And I really base it based on my needs, how my body feels and how everything's there. So I over the years in beating and eating disorder is kind of awesome to say this, that I don't have any strict regimens anymore. I really try to listen to like my physical and emotional feedback from my body and I make adjustments based on that. So what about you?
1: Yeah, well, it's very similar, you know, and I think it's very similar for a lot of people. I, I think just about everyone I know who's gone paleo at some stage has kind of gone through the early evangelical stage, like where you first discover it. And, and I think this happens for just about any diet, just about anything you can take up, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I've done it with paleo. I've done it with CrossFit, you know, all my cults I do it with. And so, um, but, but you know, I think everyone does the same thing. You get this new thing. It works. You feel good and you're like, this is the best thing in the world. Everyone should be doing this. Why aren't you doing it? You know, and, and I think the more you, do it. And the more you learn about it, and the more you learn about health and the more you learn about life, the more you realize that there's never any one answer. There's not really any truth. You know, there's only ever the best possible uh, you know theory we've come up with at the time and so I think we sort of start to become a little bit more pragmatic about it over time and realize that um, you know this works for me uh, and and even more than that this works for me right now it is about the best we can ever come up with you know and so you do you start changing the way you think about it and definitely over the years I've done lots of different things you know I mean I I didn't drink alcohol for eight years you know now I have a drink every now and then when I'm with my mates playing indoor cricket last night you know we had uh, Wednesday night you know I had a, I had a cider with the boys you know, so, you know, that that's changed over time. You know, I definitely didn't have sort of the gluten-free breads and stuff you're talking about at all for a while there, like just never. Um, and then in the last couple of years, I've done it a lot more. And, and now I'm realizing that actually I was probably doing it too much <laughs> and that actually that I'm, I'm better off when I don't do it. And I'm kind of almost swinging back the other way and becoming a little bit more paleo again now. Uh, and so... You know, I think we just, it is what you said. It's its about finding what works for you, and it's about finding what works for you right now. And I think that maturity to be flexible about it, like as much as... You know, in many ways, it's easier to be dogmatic. (laughs) Like, as in, it's easier from a decision making perspective to say, I'm just paleo. And you don't have to think about it. You know, you're just like, well, I'm paleo. So if it's paleo, I eat it. If it's not paleo, I don't eat it. Uh, It's almost a simpler way to live. Um, But it can also be, as you said, restrictive. It's not as flexible. It's maybe not as fun. It's maybe not as adaptable to your different environments and what's going on in your life. So, you know, I found for me, for example, over the last couple of years, I've had a big load. Like, There's been a lot of stuff that I've been wanting to do in my life. Uh, and sometimes trying to be strict, perfect paleo hasn't fitted in very well when I'm on the run and trying to do so many different things for so many different people, um, that, that that just didn't work that well. And, and I did it then purely as a result of wanting to ease my mental load um add in a bit more flexibility um and now what i'm finding i think is as i'm becoming more balanced in terms of my workload and my home life and everything else that i'm actually discovering that no i do want to invest a little bit more time into being a little bit more paleo right now so anyway, that was a really long answer to say that i think a little bit of
2: flexibility is okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I like the I like the long version, though, because I feel like that's how all of our brains think about it. We're like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it right now? Should I do it later? Am I avoiding this? Is this a good move? What's everybody to think? Is this going to work? Like, those are the things that we think through anyways, right? And I think that that's a really important distinction to to think through when you are eating a certain way or you're making a commitment like we have a lot of outside influences in our life like we have kids we have spouses we have jobs we have travel we have environments we have geographic locations which all change and dictate really what's available to us why we should be doing things how we should be doing them what we should be eating and when and then you throw training on top of it sleep on top of it and all these other things and there's so many different variables that there really isn't a one-size-fits-all to everybody, and I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all for anybody <laughs> forever. It's it's just this constant like evolution, like, okay, I'm doing this because this is what feels good, this is what's working, this is what's not working, okay, these inputs aren't working anymore, so I'm going to change the input so I can have a different output, and I think it's just, I think what I love about this whole thought, the way that you explained it as well, is that... When we see people talking about these diets, paleo, primal, vegetarian, vegan, Atkins, and all these different things, they talk about them with such, like, resolve, like, they're absolutes, right? Like, this is how you do it, and mm. this is how you're supposed to do it, and this is the only way to do it. And I'm like, no, this is not the only way to do it. And quite frankly, um, nobody knows what you should be doing except you and your blood work. And I think that that's a really important thing kind of space to be in. Like, I want you to try Whole30. I want you to try Paleo. I want you to try veganism and fruitarianism and all the things that you ever think that you want to try because I want you to have all of the information. I want you to see how your body feels. I want you to see how your mind feels. I want you to see the results that it creates. And then based on all of that information, you can look at it very agnostically or from the 30,000 foot view and be like, oh, yeah, I want to keep this, but I don't want to keep this. So I'm going to do this for right now. And then I'm going to keep gauging how I feel. And so it's more of a, there really is no destination. It's it's just constantly in the process of finding what works for you. And then as your body adapts and your body evolves or you lose weight or you get in better shape or you have more energy, your body's needs are going to change. You're going to need to increase your calories. You might need to increase your carbs. If you're an endurance athlete, you might need to be in ketosis or maybe ketosis doesn't work for you. You need to do like carb cycling. Like there's, there's never an absolute. So I just think it's an important discussion that, uh, I don't. I don't. Quite frankly, think I see enough of. Nor do I see it talked about enough.
1: Well, we're going to talk about it today, George. And so you've spoken about how you know with your paleo diet, you do have el- added in elements of flexibility to that, and and you do introduce stuff that's not paleo. But have you ever totally cheated on paleo? Like since you started going paleo, have you ever gone to a totally different diet, like vegan or anything like that?
2: Not on purpose, because I I mean, I have celiac disease, and it hurts really, really bad. But I will say that I've been uh, accidentally, like, poisoned off of paleo. And so um I, it just hurts so bad for me i mean i've i've had spouts where i'll add like raw dairy back in and i am lactose intolerant but it's not enough pain that like would would derail me from enjoying that flavor of like raw cheddar cheese or adding that <laughs> that milk to something or you know making cassava flour uh cheese rolls like brazilian steakhouses have like i'll go to town on those things but when it comes to like adding in the big stuff that I have to avoid, like gluten and grains and wheat and all that stuff. I've never actually intentionally gone off. Um, and I don't think I've ever actually cut out meat for more than like five days in my life. I, I've done some like juice juice cleanses and juice fasts like you and I've talked about before. But uh, nope, I've never intentionally cut meat out of my life. I feel like I might be a meat, I'm a meat addict. So that one's here to stay
1: yeah and I'm exactly the same like I really I haven't really tried um different diets like I've thought about it I'm like maybe I should just do like 30 days of vegan just like as purely as an experiment and but just the thought of it like the, the thought of going thirty days without having meat just like viscerally makes me like break out in a cold sweat like i I'm, I'm probably with you I, I'm obviously a meat addict and um, but it just doesn't you know I I, have, I go, like, a day on, a like, a vegetarian diet where, you know, it just happens that the meals that are around that I think look good are vegetarian. And, like, the next day, I'm like, oh, my God, somebody can eat bacon. Like, I need yeah. it. <laughs> and so Exactly. I exactly. And I, that seems to I, me to be a pretty good indication of what works for me. But, like you said, maybe it is that I'm just addicted to meat and that I need a detox for a while before I can survive without it.
2: Yeah. I feel like I've accidentally been a vegetarian for maybe like eight hours or something, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think outside of that that I've ever really got like, I've. De- oh, you know what? I've, I've definitely accidentally been a vegetarian during international travel. Like it took mm. me like 54 hours to get to Thailand from my house. And like, quite frankly, I did not want to eat in Shenzhen, China. And so until I got to Bangkok, it was probably a good like 48 hours and I didn't eat anything except for like fruits and veggies that I could snag from the airline. So. I was an accidental vegetarian for like <laughs> 2 days once.
1: Yeah, so you're just a bad hunter basically. That's what you
2: were. Yeah, ba- yeah, basically like there was <laughs> nothing for me to hunt on the airplane at 42,000 feet and it was pretty sad because I was I was hangry. Like I was past hungry.
1: So let's talk about some of the diets that are out there, right? So the the one that's easiest I guess to talk about first uh, which has been very popular over the last couple of years and and can actually be incorporated quite well into a paleo diet is keto. Um, Um, And there's a lot of people doing keto at the moment, and some of them are doing like a kind of paleo version of keto, and some of them are doing a very non-paleo version of keto. What what are your thoughts on a keto diet?
2: Yeah, I think every one of my friends is doing keto except me. I just haven't jumped on that bandwagon. The same. Um, I did do keto though. I will say when I was a like really competitive crossfitter, like 2010, 2011. um, I'd say the end of 2011, early 2012, I went really, really hard in the paint with keto. Um, I had done, I was doing like high carb paleo and I was doing really, really good. Like my, my weights were up. My recovery was amazing. My energy was really, really high. And I wanted to see if I could squeeze out more. And I did go keto for probably like four months. And my performance definitely, definitely, definitely got better. Um, But it only temporarily got better. It lasted for about three months. So it took about a month to get in ketosis, you know, before like everybody had like exogenous ketones and, you know, the the easy way. Um, But it took about a month to get into ketosis. And once I was in, I had this massive increase in capacity and strength and recovery and energy for about 45 to 50 days. But then all of a sudden, I started to crash. Like I was lethargic. I couldn't even come close to my my numbers, my runs, my recovery, I was taking more days off. And so I feel like my body had hit a plateau with like high carb paleo and it just needed to be cycled off of something. But keto was not sustainable permanently for me, especially at, you know, the load of that training, like just the glycogen load of that stuff. Like, you know, doing two hours of like Metcons a day was like, my body was like, could not get enough gluconeogenesis in place to like even remotely think about supporting me. And so... Um, I then let it go and I went back to basically, you know, strict paleo and then some like high carb and low carb alternations. But then I have like my buddy Drew Manning from Fit to Fat to Fit, mm. you know, he's one of my, he's one of my best friends and actually like we literally have the same birthday and we're the same age and way. like saying, yeah, it, yeah, it's really funny because we're like literally like best friends and we figured all this out after the fact. Um, and he like thrives on keto, like thrives. He is like. He just looks like he's chiseled out of like a piece of stone Yeah. and his performance is great, but he doesn't do like long, long workouts. He does a lot of like short stuff like, you know, wind sprints or like under 20 minute workouts, like with CrossFit, lots of mobility and stuff like that. And, and he loves it. He maintains it quite well. And so I feel like he knows what his body wants and responds to, and then he adjusts everything to fit into that. And I know what I want to. And so I'm not anti-keto, but what I will say is I don't believe that ketosis is safe or effective for long periods of time. I feel like it's effective to utilize for a multitude of reasons, whether you're fighting inflammation or you're trying to break through a plateau or you want to get into some crazy fat-burning state and stuff like that. But uh, I don't quite frankly think any human being could survive by like, literally in today's day and age with the rest of the world that we have going strict keto and living that way for years straight. I just don't think it's sustainable. What do you think?
1: I think it's it's such an interesting question. I I think we don't know is probably the honest answer to that last question. Uh, And, uh, you know, my suspicion is that maybe some people can do it. And that you know certain uh, certain populations who did it a lot more traditionally are probably better genetically adapted to doing it more. Um, that, that's kind of my suspicion. But I think for most people, I think you're probably right that for most people, I reckon being in ketosis all the time doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, and that people seem to do better when they cycle in and out of ketosis. And you know, that seems to be like a, quite a natural thing. You know, I'm, I'm reading at the moment to my kids George Clan of the Cave Bear. As you do. That's our bedtime story at the moment. I don't know if you've read that book, but it's so good. <laughs> no, and, I haven't. And uh, the kids are loving it. You know, we skip over a few of the, uh, you know, more adult themes with the, some of the sex and stuff that goes on in the book. So we skip over a few pages, but it's really cool. And it's really fun, but they're like these Neanderthals. And so they live for half of the time, you know, in this snowbound cave and, and you know, you only eat what they sort of got available to them. And then the other half of the year, they're like out eating like crazy, you know, and, and I, it kind of makes you think of this kind of cyclical nature of, well, of nature, you know that there are seasons, and that what you eat changes with the seasons. And and I kind of think of ketosis a bit in the same way. Like it seems like there would be naturally periods of time where fruit and vegetables were abundant, when you'd probably go nuts and and take make the most of them. And then there are other times when they're just not available, uh, when you wouldn't do it. And and that's kind of how I think about ketosis. And it kind of fits with my experience, I guess, which is probably why I think that way, Um, which is that, you know, when I've tried to go sort of more into a stricter ketotic diet, my body seems to quite like it. Like it's kind of the only time I ever see my abs is if I go into like a bit of a stricter keto diet. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I'm I'm not happy. Like like I just, I find I'm not as energetic and I'm not as happy when I'm being stricter with the carbs. And so Mm. that's kind of what I've discovered. And whether that's, My genetic makeup, whether that's my energy levels, whether that's the amount of work and productivity I try and cram into a day, I'm not quite sure. Uh, But that's just my experience with keto, and so I find that I like doing it. You know, I I like doing a you know a low carb day. I like doing a. At the moment, I'm kind of doing a 24 hour fast once a week. I'm, I'm sort of Friday is my day where I just sort of go till dinner time and then eat. Um, and that's, that feels really good. Um, my body seems to be really taking to that and enjoying that. And I feel really good about it on that day, but also for the rest of the week. And so that is then probably on that day pushing myself in towards more, a bit more of a keto, ketotic state. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what's working for me at the moment is just sort of playing around with it. So, you know, I quite like keto. I think keto for people who are trying to treat a specific, you know, neurological condition. Um, can be really, really useful. I think some people seem to respond really, really well to it, and can be on it for perhaps longer periods of time. And I think some people shouldn't be doing it at all, and are messing with their hormones and and just not do, not good on it. Um, and I think a lot of other people are somewhere in between.
2: That's that's kind of my I, and I, thought and I think I I want to throw in the caveat that like uh, I'm not a doctor, so I'm only speaking from my own experience, and you know uh, I can only see as far as my current level of understanding. And so like, this is based on my experience and what I've seen and who I've talked to. And I just, I think it's important too, because like I, I'm pretty steadfast in my opinions about things. I'm open, but, um, I'm just steadfast in it, but I don't want it to derail or, or, tamper anybody's thought process or anything with doing any of these whether it's keto or you know vegan or vegetarian or anything I always want people to try and do their research and do their due diligence because honestly um, I think more than anything the thing that I get frustrated with is when I see people jumping on bandwagons and people so adamantly promoting this one-size-fits-all approach like this will do this for you or this will solve this for you and I'm like You know, I just don't, I don't know that to be true because quite frankly, even literature and research is flawed because we wrote it as human beings and Hmm. I don't believe in our capacity all the time in that sense either. So I think it's, it's the best experimentation is to go try it and to see how you feel, see how your emotional health is, see what your brain is like, see how uh, excited you get, see how your body responds. And I think that's the most important part about all of this for me is that like really coming back to that place of like, it's kind of like the N one experimentation, like we are always in the ability to choose like we're always in control like we get to take it and we get to try things and then we get to take the feedback and adjust and i I think that's a very important thing
1: yeah and and i'll further that by saying i am a doctor and i'm a doctor of (laughs) chiropractic and I'm not your doctor, so don't take what I say as gospel either. Right? <laughs> go see your doctor and your health practitioner. I'm just, you know, just making sure that I don't get sued here because that's really important. So, um, George, the next one. Let's go to the big one. Vegan. Vegan seems to have made a resurgence in the last twelve months. I seem to be seeing
2: it everywhere. People going vegan. What do you think about veganism? Uh, I don't know if it ever went away in my world because I've had vegans coming after me and loving me at the same time for the last yeah. ten years. Um. You know, and, and quite frankly, I uh, I love some vegans and I don't love other vegans. And that's just based <laughs> on the experience of how they talk about veganism. And it's like CrossFit, right? Like, God, yeah. like, you don't ever have to ask if anybody does CrossFit because before you can even get a word out, they're like, oh, my God, I CrossFit. And this is my friend time. And this is what I snatched. And like you're like, okay, I get it. Like, totally cool. Uh, I'm going to go for a walk now. Like, thank you. And... I've had quite an interesting experience because like literally we have so many people that come to our website, Civilized Caveman, the book, like the Paleo Kitchen. There's so many recipes that vegans made and I love it. It's it's when that uh, they come after me or they speak with such certainty and they're so dug in and in a defensive position that those experiences like really skew how I see veganism. Um, but I will say I have two really, really, really close friends of mine that are trying to uh, and challenging themselves to go vegan for 12 months and they are five months in and they swear by it and they're like we're not gonna do this forever but it's kind of insane with how they feel and i was like i think uh, it's amazing for you to commit to and try and i'm like what do you think you know it's attributed to they're like oh we're just you know we've never really done anything different we've always eaten the same way and so now like when we're intentional about it like of course their body's responding and responding positively and they said they still get cravings and stuff but they're excited to then add meat back in and see kind of how it makes them feel so for me i'm not going to get into like the the sustainability of it or quite frankly where the hell you get your protein source from because i don't care and i don't think that those are actual like seated scientific debates because you know, For everybody that's like, oh, I get all my protein from beans or from this or whatever, I I see so much contradictory research in any of that stuff that I, I still think it goes back to like M1 experimentation and, and more than anything for me. And I think this is the theme that we always think through is that if you're happy doing it and it empowers you, then go for it. And if you are going to go for it, do me a favor, and just don 't project it on me and try to get me enrolled because i 'm going to keep eating my bacon and steak,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think vegan's an interesting one because it is uh, i mean you know i often find people often describe paleo diet as a very restrictive diet, uh, and I, I've, I sort of I always rally against that because i 'm like it 's really not restrictive, like I eat lots of different stuff and I get all the nutrients i need and and so i I know that vegans feel exactly the same way when people talk about vegan diets, but the one thing that I do worry about a little bit in terms of vegan diet is just some of the brain health stuff. You know, when you see some of those, um, you know, I've seen some of those pictures. I think it was Nora Gugadas was sharing some pictures of, you know, vegan vegan brains versus other brains. You know, and and showing that. There was actually some shrinkage going on. Like a, and so my take on vegan diets is I get why people do it. Um I have no problem with people wanting to do it for um, you know, ethical reasons and whatever reasons they have, although I would argue with them about whether it actually is good for the environment, but that's a topic for a whole nother episode. Um and that's I uh, think that Rob, be a I fun think, one.
2: Um I think I think Rob and Chris dove into that recently. I yeah. remember like that there was a deep, deep, deep thing around that a couple yeah. times. Yeah,
1: it's a big one. It's a big one, but it's important conversation to have at some stage, but not today. Uh, the thing I would say about the vegan diet is it, I don't really, uh, I see a lot of people who do really well on the vegan diet, like your friends, maybe for six months and 12 months. I don't see a lot of people who do really well for a very long period of time, um, unless they're supplementing. And so I'm not big on supplements. I, I don't take any supplements. I really like to try and get everything from my diet. And so, um, you know, that, that's the way I like to go. And so, for me, veganism isn't really something I've considered. I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast who are going to go, hey, I'm vegan and I don't supplement, I'm doing really well. I'm sure there are exceptions to this rule, exactly as there are exceptions to every other rule that we ever talk about. Um, but, but that's kind of my take. I, I want to eat a diet where I don't have to supplement, where I can get my source from food because that makes the most sense to me and I think that's probably the most long-term sustainable way to do it. Um so vegan i I'm, I'm not super keen on vegan, but I'm not against anyone doing it as you said if that's what's working for them um, and I encourage them to you know really think about their brain health and think about you know those vitamin b12 supplements and all those sort of things that that can help supplement that diet if that's the way they want to go because I reckon that's important
2: yeah i and i i'm in the I'm in the same camp when it comes to like supplementation like I believe in supplementation to the point like where I feel like we have kind of quite frankly royally screwed ourselves with the quality of our soil and some of the things that we've done to our planet um and i'm not here to like advocate for anything but like just factually like soil quality goes down you know pesticides and herbicides and all these things that they spray on our foods that i i understand that there's a lot of like nutritional deficiencies in some of them or over farming certain areas and stuff like that so for me, I never look at supplementation like it's a solution. I look at supplementation like it's enhancement, or almost like an accelerant. Like you can do it really, really clean, and then within that, you can fill some gaps or fill some holes with like high quality or things like that that matter. But definitely never a permanent solution. So, you know, your your diet or whatever you do should be based on getting everything that you need to get from the foods themselves, and then supplementing as the definition means, which is not in place of but supplementing which means on top of a solid foundation.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know the other thing I wanted to say about that was it never surprises me when people go from like a standard Australian or a standard American diet and do any sort of diet whether it's vegan, vegetarian, high carb, low carb, whatever and feel better because it's like almost any one of those diets you do is better than the standard diet. <laughs> you know, because we you just whichever one you choose, you're probably going to get more real food, you're probably going to get more whole food, you're probably going to get more nutrients and you know, I'm I remember one of the, my favorite interviews we did on my other podcast, The Wellness Guys, we did an interview with Rich Roll, and he was talking about yep. his vegan diet, and I loved it. And, and a lot of what we spoke about was everything we had in common, you know, because we actually had far more in common than we had in contrast, you know, and when it was talked about food quality, when we talked about, you know, organic, when we talked about, you know, the health of the soil, when we talked about the importance of fruits and vegetables, you know, we agreed on way, way more than we disagreed on as well. So, I think that's a really important point to remember is that sometimes we get stuck on our differences. Um, and, and don't celebrate our similarities, which is really important too. Now, we've, we're we almost out of time already, George, but there's one other. I want to talk to you about high-carb diets because we've talked about low-carb diets, but you know, there seem to be some people out there who are really thriving on a really high-carb diet. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I will say that in any of the camps, like this is one that I agree with uh, because I've done uh, massively high-carb diets before, and I've had tremendous results. Uh, but... And the but is, but it fit my situation, which I was working out, you know, two times a day. The rest of my nutrition was on point. Like I was still eating a very solid, whole fooded approach, like almost strict paleo. And then very intentionally, I was adding elevated amounts. And I mean massive elevated amounts of carbohydrates throughout my day, timed perfectly for when I needed them from recovery to sleep to big workouts coming up and all of those things. And so... I I will say that I thrived in that way more than I did on keto. Uh, I think because I was giving my body the actual fuel that it needed, but I was so dialed in with my workouts and with my meals that like I pretty much like to almost like the gram knew like what I needed and what I needed to have in my diet to maintain that level of performance because you do run the risk on the other side of when you don't use the work capacity to make up for what you're adding or you kind of go over the rails, then you get into like insulin resistance and fat storage and all of those things that all you smart scientific people can talk about that just look like belly fat to me um, (laughs) on my body. Uh, So there's definitely, um, I think there's a way when you're intentional about it that and so I I was good with mine. I enjoyed it when I did it. And I will say that the energy felt more sustainable. And for me, I felt comfortable because it was readily available, right? Like, I never had to be like, how long is it going to take my body to go into gluconeogenesis today to give me, you know, some sugar so I have some energy? I'm (laughs) like, nope, I'm just going to eat some carbs. Right. So I think, I think that's why it worked for me because it was kind of like an on demand thing and it supported my goals. So, what about you?
1: Yeah, I think I'm very similar. I, I've never really done a super high-carbohydrate diet, probably aside from when I was younger and I was just eating the standard Australian diet, which is probably a super high-carbohydrate diet. But um, you know, I used to have my wheat bix in the morning with the spoonfuls of sugar on top. So that was probably a pretty high-carbohydrate diet. But, but I've never sort of consciously tried to do a healthy high-carbohydrate diet. Um, but my experience of it is that the people who I see doing it really well, and, and some people do seem to really thrive on it, um, do tend to be people who are doing a lot of exercise. You know, people who are doing triathlons, people who do it going out and cycling for two or three hours a day, you know, they're, People who are burning off all of those carbohydrates that they're putting into their body, um, so that they're not left with, as you said, that that excessive uh, carbohydrate floating around in their body, call it, causing all those other derangements and issues, they seem to do really, really well on a high carbohydrate diet. So I, I think you, if you are going to go that way, you know, you do tend to need to be someone who's doing a lot of exercise, possibly a lot of cardiovascular exercise, um, in order to burn all of that off and to do well in that style of eating. So. I think for some people it does. I mean, I imagine that the, the sort of nutrient load you're getting from doing that sort of diet, you know, there's certain nutrients you're getting very, very high in. Um, You know, perhaps some of the more sort of fat-soluble nutrients and some of those other factors and protein and all those things, are, you know, you you may be getting a little bit less on. Um, And so, you know, sometimes you look at people doing this sort of diet and, and they might not have as much, for example, lean muscle mass, which is... You know, whilst a lot of people think of that from an aesthetic point of view, it does have an impact on um, your metabolism and your hormone balance and all these other things as well. So, um, you know, I think there's things that you need to keep an eye on if you're going to eat that way, particularly, like I said, in terms of fat, hormone balance, you know, those those steroid-based hormones, brain function, which are really important. But as I said, people who are doing a lot of exercise, they certainly seem to be people who are really thriving going that way. And, And if that's working for them, then good on them, I reckon.
2: Yeah, I you know you know it's interesting too is I realized why I um I stopped eating a very high carb diet and it's because I don't like cardio. <laughs> that that was why I remember now. I totally remember now. <laughs> that
1: makes uh, sense.
2: <laughs> so, I feel like that's that's it. I was like no because if I keep doing it, and it tastes good, it's ame- It's easy. Like yeah. I like it's so easy to fall into the trap of like high carb and like I I feel like everything we eat and everything we do should have intention like we should be intentional about what we're doing and that includes our eating our fitness our nutrition and just like anything like we have a plan when we go to work every day we have a plan for when we drive to work every day we have a plan for when we drop our kids off for school and like you have to have a plan for your diet nutrition that's aligned to some sort of goal or mission or vision that you have so you can measure against it and you can keep working towards it
1: Yeah, and I reckon that's the thing that stops me from thinking about doing a higher carb diet is just the fact that there is such a prevalence of high carb junk food in our society. Um, that, you know, and we know that when you do eat the higher carb foods, then you need to eat more frequently, you know, uh, because you're burning it off quicker and you, and you need to constantly keep replenishing it and keep those sugar levels up. And so, that the challenge with doing a higher carbohydrate diet is you do tend to crave more. And so it does mean that you're more susceptible to craving food when there's not good food around you. I mean, the benefit I find from doing a higher fat and perhaps pushing more towards ketosis and probably not even pushing towards ketosis, but just having a bit more healthy fats and proteins in the diet is that I'm not as hungry and I don't crave as much and I'm more capable of I guess eat, having willpower <laughs> and and actually saying, no, I'm not going to eat that junk that's in front of me right now. I'll wait until I get somewhere where I can grab something healthier. I, I find that, that eating that way helps me, helps my willpower to eat healthier. Yeah, totally. Totally. Are we, uh, I never look at time. Yeah, we're way out of time. We're way out of time. George, thank you so much. This is a great chat. There's probably a dozen other diets we could talk about. If if there's a particular diet you want us to talk about, head to that Paleo Show Facebook
2: page and let us know. But it's been a good chat today, George. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Me too. I'm sure we could do an entire episode on every diet if we really wanted to, but maybe we'll wait for the uh, request before we dive into the sustainability of veganism on the planet. Oh, yeah.
1: That's coming up. All right. That will come up in the next couple of episodes. But for now... (laughs) Join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show.
2: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives